I've really thought about the Steelers, to be honest. The drop back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello and welcome back to the Dropback Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis and joined today by Joe Costanzo. We're back from a hiatus. No Matt, no Stan because they're both away, but we're here. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good. Every day's a holiday when I'm with you, Slew. Oh, that is maybe the sweetest thing that I've heard all of that, <laughs> so I, re- I really needed that, mate. No, but football season's back, pretty much. Pre-season technically kicks off this week and I'm guessing you're really excited for the Hall of Fame game, Joe. Oh yeah, buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. Can't can't wait for I can't even remember who's in the Hall of Fame game. Look <laughs> Steelers Dallas Thursday night. I'm guessing you're tuning in at whatever one AM our time to watch that. Yeah, I don't understand why it's just so out of sync with the rest of the preseason games. It just it's not. I think me. the rest of the preseason must start on Sunday. And it's on Thursday. Or, yeah, I think that's how it works. Can't remember. It's all Gucci. I swear in previous seasons they've had them like... Maybe it's a week beforehand, a week and a half beforehand. Either way, I always seem to get to the point that if I don't have anything on the next day, I'll watch the beginning of the game and realise, oh yeah, pre-season, especially the Hall of Fame game, is shit. Yeah, no, pre-season is... uh, Well, I mean, we saw last season how much it may have impacted things like injuries and just game prep teams going slowly into the season early on. Exactly. Like, look, look at what happened to the 49ers, whether or not that was uh, more on the stadium or I think definitely a part of that would be that people haven't had actual game reps, you know. Oh, um, you mean purely from injury perspective? I thought you meant because a lot of the teams started slowly last year because... Yeah, that, that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, and obviously I'm not saying it's not important, especially for those on the roster bubble. I'm just saying as a viewing spectacle, it's not the most interesting football you'll ever see yeah do you know what is going to be weird is that now the random like wide receivers with like number four could be could potentially be first round picks <laughs> so so you don't know you yeah. can't judge by the numbers anymore yeah you're not thinking like oh this guy's fighting for a roster spot he could he could genuinely be a um a high value draft pick now nowadays yeah not that you wouldn't know who all the dra- high value draft picks are right joe i know them all off yeah. by heart. I mean, the unfortunate thing, though, about football being back is that straight away we're hit with injury news. Almost it seems that straight out of the gate, training camp, there's always a few injuries. And this year, it's no different with today at time of recording, Carson Wentz announcing that he's going to have surgery on somehow a loose bit of fo- a bone just floating around in his foot. Yeah. I mean, you sent something in our group chat that basically said that this was a niggling injury from like when he was in high school, basically and he's just been playing through it but those kind of injuries uh to like your foot your ankle anything you have to basically support your whole weight on they're not going to go away easily um it's quite surprising that he's been playing on it this whole time and i don't know what happened did it just eventually break off and they're like oh that now it's an injury or because you're (sighs) guessing it's at least three medical staffs if you include college the eagles and now the cults that have missed this injury well, yeah. Uh, well, it was. It seems like he he knew about it to some extent in high school, or uh, 
this well, thing. What it seemed that Reich said that it was a lingering injury, and it, but they don't know how far back it when it could have always been from high school, rather than Wentz has a specific point that he can point back to and go, oh, that's what caused it. But either way. Yeah, you'd think like if you were getting a surgery done on your ACL and you had just so happened to also have this foot thing, you might as well kill two birds with one stone. So, but it must have only just recently, like this week, become a major problem, as in he can't play on it. Um, yeah, and seeing so the recovery time is five weeks to 12 weeks, who knows when he's going to be back this year. It was also interesting to seem that he was going to, before today, he was, he was sort of going to wait and see how it felt before deciding on surgery. It's like, mate, there's a bit of bone just losing your foot. If the experts are saying get surgery, maybe listen to him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it does suck for Wentz, though. Like, he's, he's had such rough luck over the I last, know. well. <laughs> Since 2017, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so I feel bad for the guy. Um, I mean, on the other side of things, I guess the Eagles won't be getting a, a first-round draft pick. So Yeah, your heartless soul. That was the first thing you messaged in the group chat after <laughs> finding out. <laughs> Just to annoy you. Yeah, I know, 100%. I know you're not actually reveling in the injury, but yeah, you're right. It, it just it just sucks for him because it's like a fresh chance for him with the coach that he played his best football with. And even if he comes back towards that five-week like end, you're guessing he's not going to be fully healthy. So, so part, the part of them, how mobile he is, is a big part of his game. So with a foot injury, that's going to be hugely effective. Yeah, I don't I don't trust the, the lower band of this anyway. Five weeks sounds way too quick to to jump back in after foot surgery you know as no expert wanna... on foot surgery is it not just cut a hole in the foot pull the loose bit of bone out and then sew it up i mean that's how i'd do it i think the more more of the issue is that you have to walk around on your foot every day you can't just sort of rest it i mean i well yeah he could be in a wheelchair but or one of them scooters you put the knee He's... up on yeah and then he'll go directly uh from that scooter after five weeks into playing nfl football straight away uh yeah, so I, yeah, I, I don't trust that 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 range of time just is so arbitrary to me. Um, I think they've just said five weeks to give some hope that it's near the start of the season, but I, I don't don't really believe that to be honest. And given that the other quarterbacks on that roster at this point are Jacob Eason, who was a late round pick, Brett Hundley, who they just signed in the wake of this injury. And Sam Ellinger, another, well, he's a rookie this year, another really late round pick. What do the Colts do at quarterback if he is towards the latter end of that scale? Do they have to make a move, bring in a vet, maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, or according to himself in an interview, Nick Foles? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would just be the worst experience. <laughs> How many times does Carson Wentz go down and Nick Foles step in? Um, no. It, yeah, I I could see potentially Jimmy Garoppolo might be a good signing, but then it's it's possibly the same issue. Like he, There is an injury concern there um, with him as well. And it's the issue as well that the 49ers probably aren't going to accept that little for him, for someone that may only play what part of a season, because you're signing someone to be a backup, not to start the whole year. Yeah, well, if you sign Jimmy G, then potentially you're signing someone to compete with Carson Wentz. Jimmy G's a big contract as well. True. 
So True. the Niners would have to swallow some of that to facilitate the trade. I, I don't know. I'd be surprised if that was a move. If the Colts... Because Ballard's been a pretty cautious with all of his moves from the Colts. He's never spent excessively or given a lot for a player in a trade. So it would be surprising for him to take a huge swing on Garoppolo on top of Wentz. Yeah, I could see them just sort of trying their best with Brett Hundley and um, kind of, it's basically writing the season off, really, isn't it? Has Brett Hundley pl- ever played an actual NFL game? He was at the Packers, then he's, has he been at the Cardinals more recently than that? I think he started for the Packers. Uh, A-Rod may have been out a few games and he started. Oh, when he did his, when A-Rod did his shoulder that year, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he clearly didn't set the word alight. No, he's he was no Matt Flynn. <laughs> Does anyone remember? Do you remember that Matt Flynn? Like, yeah, he, he yeah. managed to sign a big contract with the Seahawks after the year they signed drafted Russell Wilson and then never yeah. played for them. Well, he had like a few games with the Packers when he stepped in for Aaron Rodgers. I think he broke like the the Packers' uh, throwing record, like in for yards uh, in really? one of his games. It was like five hundred something yards or something. Um, but yeah, little interesting tidbit for you there. Uh, back with the podcast, back with the tidbits. Like we never left, eh? Good old titty biddies. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other news is that um, the Bills owner, Pagula, what's his first name? I can't remember what his first name is. I've just Googled him and it came up with his daughter that apparently is a tennis player. Terry. Terry Pagula, who basically seems like he's trying to hold the city of Buffalo hostage if they won't pay... 1.5 odd billion for a new stadium. Never mind the fact that he's worth 5.4 billion and basically using threats to moving to Austin in terms in order to get this new stadium. Pretty much a dick move, right, Joe? Yeah. I mean, I will say um having a net worth of 5 billion doesn't mean he has 1 billion to to just in liquid assets that he can just spend on a new stadium. He probably but, does have more than the city of Buffalo, though. Yes, this is the thing. Um, Buffalo, when you think of actually the history of the franchise there and, like, the the Buffalo fans, it would be a massive shame for them to move move C. Um, we, we've had it before with St. Louis and, you know, Oakland in recent years. Um. And, St. Louis and is different bloody... though, because they yeah. like they were being they were at least around to being in LA before. I, I suppose the Raiders have been other places before, but they they were more an Oakland team that was this heartless move. Yeah, I mean this would be pretty much disgusting from the peculiar. So basically, a hundred percent tax funded stadium, which is unnecessary, and it's totally different to what we have in the UK, where teams are able to basically hold cities hostage. Yeah, that's is it's actually ridiculous. Um, the fact that people's tax dollars have to go into spending on uh, a stadium for NFL games is is just ridiculous. Um, and but all I was trying to say is like this is the Bills. I mean, there was a period of time in the '90s they made four straight Super Bowls. They they've got a very dedicated fan base. We've all seen the crazy videos of like people going through tables and stuff in the uh, in the pregame drinking and everything. Um, so uh, yeah, I I would be massively disappointed in Pegula for for uh, even threatening to do this. To be honest, um, 
also, do we need a third team in Texas? Like, I know Texas is a big state and Buffalo is basically New York. Mm. But I, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it from that point of view, just because the why the hell would you need to move the team from Buffalo? It's not like one of those teams that when they aren't winning, they don't get fans there. Like that team is huge for that city, which is basically what the Peculars are saying. It's like, oh, if it's this big, you've got to pay some. Mm. And I mean, it wasn't the city's team when he was laying people off during the COVID lockdowns earlier in 2020. So maybe stop being a dick. Yeah. Okay, surely he can partially fund this. Like, anyway, I think but... that's where it will end up going. I don't think anyone's expecting him. Basically, apparently, most stadiums in America are between 40 and 70% taxpayer funded, which seems ridiculous anyway. Yeah, that's mental. But I think that shows the precedence is that he's not going to have to do probably more than half of the funding for the new stadium. Are Austin, like, that desperate for a team either? Like, or is that just, like, oh, Austin pay enough tax. Austin have enough tax spending to allow this to happen. I don't know. I think they're they're one of the teams that are always sort of linked with getting an NFL team, whether that be an expansion or a moving at some point. But yeah, like you said, there are already two teams in Texas. Like, you don't need that. And um, Buffalo are basically a lot of Canada's team as well because of how close it is to the border. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know. I never thought about it that way. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want this to happen. I don't think it will. I, I think there's... Uh, I mean, I say this, but, you know, the Oakland fans were great and look what happened to them. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's the NFL, it's a business and uh, greedy owners will be greedy. Mm. Yeah. Tis the way. Tis the way. And that's why they've got that much money anyway, which is a different, whole different matter. But anyway... So, with the season just around the corner, it is time for our divisional previews. And we'll kick it off with the AFC North. And first up is the Cincinnati Bengals, Joey. The Bungles. Are they making the playoffs this year? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, but for real, what... what, Stupid fucking question. (laughs) What's your outlook on the Bengals, pretty much? Uh, I think... I mean, they've taken steps to improve. I think their O-line is still a main issue. They didn't make enough moves in free agency. Alongside that, defensively, there's just a lot of holes. Um, I think, you know, apart from certain spots on the secondary, uh, I don't really... As in free safety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see I don't see much in terms of... I mean, I, I could be proved wrong, but I... I don't see much hope, to be mm. honest. Uh, the one, the one thing you've got, obviously, you've got Joe Burrow, who before he got injured, uh, it was quite a close race between him and Justin Herbert for Rookie of the Year. Um, some people that swept out of their minds as soon as he got injured, but it was quite close at the time. Um, obviously, we've got they've big... got they've assembled quite a nice sort of assortment of skill position players, like. Obviously, rookie Jamar Chase, who you've already mentioned the O-line, is going to be a conversation piece all through the season, especially if Burrow has as much pressure as he did last year. But then on the T. Higgins, good rookie year. Tyler Boyd, who is one of the under-radar, under-the-radar sort of like good wide receivers in the league, doesn't get probably enough credit. And Joe Mixon, another one that you don't know if it's some 
because he's certainly flashed talent, but you don't know if his lack of consistency is because he's not quite that level or if it's because, like, some just had terrible O-lines to deal with. Yeah, I mean, that's going to play a large role into it, to be honest. I mean, there are games where Joe Mixon doesn't even have a chance to get past. He's pretty much stuck two yards behind the line, and then he'll randomly... He's he's one of those, when you have him on your fantasy team, is like very... He could either explode out for a, a bunch of touchdowns or get nothing. Um, and that's very indicative of just how that O-line has been over over the last few years now um but yeah i think you've got a lot of talent and the skill positions there um wouldn't even mind seeing what thaddeus moss is up to at tight end is he on the roster yeah i'll see to be fair cj zuma looked good before he tore his achilles last year and drew sample i mean he was sort of solid he's very much he'll get five yards downfield and was sort of a pretty good security blanket for them apparently they've also got trent taylor it was quite good for the 49ers. Little gadget gadget boy. Gadget, you like your gadget boys. I, I mean, speaking of those skill positions they've got, is there quite a lot of pressure on Zach Taylor this year as the offensive-minded head coach? Not to make the playoffs, because I think that's unrealistic looking at the overall roster, but at least show improvement and some sort of, sort of explosion on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, what was their record last year? It was it was one of the worst. It was second worst in two and fourteen, right? No, it well, can't have been. Four twelve, I'm would be my guess, but four eleven and one. They drew with the Eagles because of okay. course they did. Cool. Well, um, I'm not saying, but but like I said, like his first season, he's he had nothing to work with. Second season, Burrow tore his ACL. So I'm not saying right, you've got to hit 10 and 7 now to save your job, but just show some sort of signs of improvement. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, for me, I think their ceiling is probably a 9 and 8 team. Uh, so, and if, honestly, if they, if Zach Taylor manages to get the Bills to 9 and 8, then he's probably saved his job because they don't, they're just at best an average run at the mill team here. At worst, they're one of the worst worst teams in the league just given that defense and an o-line there's just such glaring gaps um that you can't really expect yeah you're right i mean brilliant things out of them the cliches of football is you win from the trenches out and looking at both these trenches like larry Joby wasn't particularly great last year they signed trey hendrickson who had one good year in in new orleans and they gave him a pretty hefty contract Sam Hubbard, again, is like a solid-ish sort of player, but he's not a game-wrecker. Exactly, yeah. Neither of those lines you're going to be able to control football games from. And so they're going to have to score a lot of points on offense to stay in games. But to score a lot of points, they, they're going to need some sort of assemblance of an offensive line, which they do not have. They've got a lot of skill position players, though, so we don't know. I mean, if everyone just runs slants and uh, quick hitches, then we might we might be good. Yeah, I mean, the secondary. Was Trey Waynes injured last year or was he a COVID holdout? I think he might have been COVID, COVID uh, holdout. Because right, he's been some, he's been a disappointment since the Vikes took him in the first round. Jadobia Woozy, again, he's not a number one corner, but you probably have to be that for them this year. And that, to be fair, Mike Hilton's solid slot corner, but he's not exactly a megastar. Yeah, I mean... You feel bad for people like Jesse Bates, don't you, really? Exactly. Jesse Bates is the one standout on that defense. <laughs> it's pretty much. 
there's nothing special around him. So, um, yeah, it's a bit peak. What do you think? Like the worst worst case scenario is for the for the Bengals. Worst case scenario is they have another season like this last year. I would like to thirteen. Yeah, that sort of thing. I would I would I would like to say that they're too talented with their skill positions to do that badly, but we've fallen into the trap before of sort of highlighting people's skill positions and being like, oh, they're going to be a contender. And I'm not saying that with the Bengals, but we've seen that you need talent around it to even reach the, the ceiling of your skill position, the floor of your... Eh, which one? Ceiling. Ceiling of your skill position <laughs> players. That's the one. We got there in the end. But yeah, 4-12. and 12. And like you said, I, I can't see them winning double and 13. Oh yeah, I forgot 17 games. The extra absolute, game. Absolute night. You know what? 4-12 and 1. Just... Oh yeah, just to to keep it keep it like last season, keep it like that. And yeah, I can't see it them just got a little bit worse. Because the issue is that when you don't don't have good lines and a good defense, you struggle to win those one score games as well that are a little bit tighter. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe they cap out at just over five hundred. Potentially. Um. Yeah, that's the same as what I said. Like ceiling nine and eight. I don't. It's not going to be double digits. Uh, if they do, I'm wrong. But yeah, yeah. the one thing we, they have, I mean, if Jamar Chase turns out into like a superstar, even if they're getting a lot of pressure, I think you can say that they made the right decision on that that um, draft pick there. Especially, depends. it depends. It depends it if, if Joe Burrow compare. still has knees at the end of the season and he hasn't completely ruined ruined his. What if he career. gets like two thousand receiving yards? Joe Burrow? No, obviously not. J- Jamar Chase. <laughs> I was saying Joe Burrow. <laughs> You're changing the conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, if Jamar Chase gets 2,000 receiving yards, <laughs> but the guy throwing it to him has no limbs, then um, I think that would maybe be an issue for future yeah. seasons. Maybe he wouldn't get 2,000 receiving yards in the future. Yeah, maybe not. One of the trading um, training camp hype pieces I've seen Relates to the Bengals, apparently Joe Burrow is throwing it with much more zip following his surgery Ooh. because he's been strengthening the lower half of his body. Nice. That's good to know. Tyler Boyd was <laughs> Tyler Boyd apparently, nothing, nothing Tyler Boyd apparently was saying, whoa, following taking a slant from Joe Burrow. I, I absolutely hate these stupid like preseason <laughs> headlines, man. <laughs> You're no. going to be eating your words when you see the zip that Joe Burrow throws with now. But these people sit in like 30 minutes of interviews and like people will like pick out one thing they've said and like make it a headline and put it all over CincinnatiBengals.com or something. Um, but yeah, this pisses me off. Uh, we do have we do have the takes from the other two. They're on holiday, but they're still working hard. I mean, look at all the work Stan's put into his. Bengals, ceiling 10 and 7, floor 3 and 14. Should have drafted O-line. That's all I have to say. Or free agents. Or free agents. Like we, we were speaking about this in the free agency thing. It, they had money. To they had <laughs> money and they didn't go after any of the free agents. Um, Matt is Bengals. Offense has potential. Some good weapons. Defense, don't waste my time. Seven and ten. Now he's put a prediction of seven and ten, which seems quite generous. Yeah. If that was just like what I was going to go with, I would lean further towards the floor than the ceiling personally but nah, I mean, Matt's, Matt's Matt I bet he's got some horrible takes on other teams as well 
All right, let's move on to the next team then. The Cleveland Browns, who some are, they're back there in the preseason Super Bowl hype conversation. Joe's yeah. favorite rival. I like them until they get too good. I mean, they, they were immense last season, won their first playoff game. Well, since being back in Cleveland, I can't remember the exact year that the last time they won it. And the O line, and we, we had our conversations a few weeks ago about best positional groups and Cleveland Browns were where we fight, finished up on. I was the only sort of naysayer that said maybe the Patriots have a shout, but I don't think there's any complaints saying that the Browns have the best O-line in football right now. Great skill position players. Shard Higgins yeah. took a, um, a leap forward last year. And if Odell Beckham becomes almost just a complimentary piece, like that's all he needs to be for them to be really good. Yeah, I think um, to be honest, like there are there are times when Odell's been playing where Baker kind of forces the ball to Odell in a situation, um, a bit like his Giants days. Whereas I think they played a lot better as a unit um, when that wasn't on his mind as much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they use Odell because he's almost like in this, in a weird way, he's almost like the odd one out if you know what I mean, in the sense that um, he hasn't really, like, he, he he hasn't experienced success when he's been playing for the Browns, yet the Browns have still ex- experienced success last season. Do you think that makes then sense. that could almost help Baker's mindset? Being like, oh, I don't need to um, just yeah, force I thought, the ball to this kind of guy because we've got Nick Chubb on the ground who will do most of the work because he's unbelievably good. And when I spread it around and we we go with scheme, then we have real success. Exactly. Like if you're if you're growing up and you're watching uh say growing up, if you're in college and you see Odell Beckham making fantastic catches, being one of the best receivers in the league, and you get into the league um and he's on your team, you know, the <laughs> the factor of the matter is that like young QBs are always gonna sort of grab gravitate gravitate towards like playmaking receivers and maybe that was in the back of his mind um however i think just more so like the the mixing up of the run game to be honest with kareem hunt nick chubb um is going to be going to be something else like we said that that o-line has been impeccable and i really like their draft this year greg newsom uh feels a pretty immediate need i think uh, they, they. I mean, they had Greedy Williams, but they don't really. He hasn't really played that much. I think that he's had injury was, concerns. Well, they, and were, then... they were like the most injured team on defense last year. I think they lost six starters throughout the year on defense, which goes some of the way to explaining why they maybe weren't great on that side of the ball. But they've certainly addressed it. Bringing, I mean, Jadavian Clowney. He's a. He's a. They haven't paid him a whole lot of money, and he's a good boom bust kind of guy. If he's not, is and that, that addresses you love their him as a run issue. defender as well. That was their main issue is the run defense anyway last year. So Jadavian Clowney at least somewhat addresses that. And uh, Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa in the second round. Stan's favorite player. Like he's probably one of my favorite picks of the draft. Just the fact that they got him in the second round after that n- non-issue of a heart problem or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty high on the Browns to be honest. I think ceiling wise i could see them going 14 and 3 and if they have a really really good season you know and fulfill their potential um 
floor, I'd say around nine and eight. I think they're going to be above average, even in, even on the floor side. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you. I can't see this team, unless they get seriously injured, not making the playoffs. I think they're that yeah. solid. And they're solid in the positions where you have like continual success, which basically the offensive line running the ball, because that type of stuff doesn't change year to year as much as other things. The defence, I mean, definitely improved. John Johnson's a great signing. Troy Hill's a, a pretty good slot receiver. I'm still not convinced by all of their linebackers. I'm, I'm not saying that Owusu Koromo is not a great player or won't be a great prospect, but I don't know. He's he's quite slight for a linebacker as well. And to, for him to come in and fix the entire unit on That's, his own no, it means as nothing. a rookie, it does mean a lot. He's the, the exact same measurables as... Darius Lennon is an outlier. Oh, is he? He's, he's just the mould that all linebackers are, are slowly he, taking. They're getting lighter. They're getting quicker. Yeah, and that when that happens, then you stuff it down their throats. I mean, it's a payoff. I'm not saying that he won't be, because like you said, Darius Leonard showed that it is possible. But I don't think you can just point to Darius Leonard and say, look, it doesn't matter if they're light, because he's that no, good. No, but all I'm saying is that you, you, know, you can't... I don't think that's going to be much of an excuse in a few years. I think linebackers in general are going to get lighter. Like, it's not... I mean, oh, no, no, they, they certainly are getting lighter, but he's still very slight for a linebacker. And maybe, and we've maybe we'll, it won't make any difference and it'll be fantastic. And to be honest, it'll probably lean that way, but there is a chance that he's not going to be able to fix all of their running game problems by himself. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't saying he was. But, I was going, I'm was... not saying he's going to be a bust, mate. <laughs> yeah. I was, I mean, yeah, they, they may have some issues in the other linebacker positions, but I do think genuinely uh, Joker is going to be pretty high impact player with he's a high motor guy he basically makes tackles all over the field and his coverage ability is outstanding so that is true get the boy what i'm saying is i don't think we can expect them to necessarily be like a top five defense this year oh uh yeah probably not i think um they're still hurting actually a lot from i've completely forgotten his name i feel bad the uh, middle linebacker uh, joe Schobert leaving yeah Absolutely. And the issue was the linebackers they did last year, one was sort of semi-good in coverage. And then Tacky Tacky was sort of all right against the run, but was a complete liability in yeah. coverage. So I don't know if one of those is going to get picked on a little bit, depending on which one they trot out to go alongside Owusu Koromoa. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but still, I think they do have championship potential as a ceiling. You probably, go coverage, probably go with the coverage, the two coverage guys. So you don't have, you don't get completely torched or targeted on one end. You'd imagine. Yeah, maybe. Although you may be able to hide him a little bit more when you've got, like, like you said, how good Owusu Koromoa is as a coverage backer. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, though. And I think my prediction would lie more towards a deep playoff run championship push than it would towards. For like just missing out in the playoffs, it was if I was to go between how, those how, two. How deep? How deep do you think they can make the Super Bowl? They can make the Super Bowl. I'd be I'd be slightly surprised if they got through the Chiefs and the Bills. I don't know. Maybe I would favor them over the Bills. 
certainly I would put the Chiefs as favourites over them because they're the Chiefs and yeah. you, I don't think you can ever pick against you, you, Patrick yeah, Mahomes. You, you pretty much have to think that outside of the Chiefs... Um, outside of the Chiefs, I don't think you can argue that there's anyone in the AFC that is significantly better than them. Yeah, significantly, yeah. I would agree. You'd agree? I mean, I would, I would argue that the Chiefs... Well, actually, no. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Significantly is a interesting term because the Chiefs have their downsides, but they've addressed a lot of them. They had downside, and the way that the Tampa battered the Chiefs in the Super Bowl isn't really what the Browns can do in the same way because they don't have the same sort of blitzing power. Indeed. In fact, they're one of the worst teams in the... They had the biggest disparity when they blitzed to when they didn't blitz. They were so much worse when they blitzed last year. Mm, that's interesting. Hey, hey. See, I've brought tidbits to make you happy now, Joe. Didn't, didn't realise, yeah. Hit me with more. <laughs> I want to hear I want to hear Matt and Stan's tidbits. Matt, Matt and Stan don't have any. They have... Matt's got a big old... We'll win the division thanks to Nick's Chubb. 12 and 5. Next job. Nice. And Stan ceiling 15 and 2. Another force to be reckoned with in the trenches. Mayfield's year to shine. Could be a fantasy stud. Wait. 15 and 2. So that means. Floor 10 and 7. So they beat what? They would lose maybe one against the Ravens, one uh, and then the Packers. Yeah. Eventually. Oh, no, they do play the Chiefs as well. That's the first game of the season. Oh, do they? Yeah. That'd be interesting. That, yeah. Where is it? Uh, I think it's at the Chiefs. Okay. So that's a bit of a tough one. That would be a huge, huge win if they manage to get that, but not only just because it's a statement, but also just for playoff seeding, because, like you said, it doesn't look like they're going to drop many games in that schedule. No, yeah, and it's um, a big statement when against the Chiefs in week one could uh, could send them flying. Could send them flying. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else about the Browns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stan saying Baker Mayfield as a fantasy stud. Thoughts on that? Um, I think Baker Mayfield can be a fantastic QB for the Browns, but I don't think he's going to be a top like 10 quarterback to be honest i think he can in terms of stats rather than performance yeah stats yes in terms of stats i think he just it's not required for him to you know to to be so heavily involved in the game to to get the stats that would warrant being a a fantasy stud no i 100 percent agree with you there's going to be a lot of handoffs to chubb and um stuff on on the goal line yeah, well, we've seen it with this offense that basically half the teams in the league are running now. Even when the 49ers and Rams were the number one odds running um, offenses in the league, th- those guys weren't, you know, consistently great fantasy options. Yes, they had their games, but Garoppolo wasn't a league winner. No, no, he was not. He almost was, though. <laughs> he was uh, in, in terms of the was. actual league winner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he technically almost did win the league, but... Yeah, I mean, just looking at this Browns team, their starting lineups, you 
you can't see it going wrong other than injuries. Like yeah, the I Bengals, mean, we can't, they may there's no just point. be not good enough to like reach their ceiling. I think the Browns' ceiling is like, unless because we we know this offense works and Baker Mayfield is his first time in his career that he's actually going to have the same offense two years in a row. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I'm. They they're just so stacked full of talent, and now. You know, with um, some high quality coaches, they can actually do bits. So, very excited. Very exciting indeed, which leads us to your Baltimore Ravens. The boys. The boys. Um, How worried are you about the O line? I'm not that worried. Okay. I think we're all good. I mean, um, right tackle. I'm, I mean, we've got a veteran presence there with. Villanueva. Villanueva. <laughs> was that a pronunciation <laughs> and, issue there? Yeah, like I was trying to, I was trying to sum up Anthony Villanueva. It's like when you're trying to say Tagliavoa, Tagliavoa the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, so him, <laughs> the, I think he's more of a one-year starter kind of kind of situation. But outside of that, I'm happy to have Ronnie Stanley back. He's like one of the top lift tackles in the league for sure, um, especially as a pass blocker as well. And also, it's it's really good just to we've got a new wide receivers coach, <laughs> T Martin, and he's actually apparently quite good. Well, <laughs> your old immense. one must have been amazing because he's now the head coach of the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, not the Bengals, the, the Texans. Bengals, the Texans, yeah gonna say i forgot he was the head, a head coach because i was reading a texans article the other day and it said dave collier's like who the hell is that yeah i i keep forgetting the texans exist i'm not gonna lie like it, i go through periods of just forgetting that they even play football um i mean but, they barely do that's true that is true they're in hell um i yeah so obviously we got the new wide receivers coach and i think that new new room in there with uh the influx of Rashad Bateman and uh, Tylan Wallace, who's probably going to get some game time alongside your main performer last year, Willie Sneed. <laughs> I was going to say, that's like the biggest issue you had last year. The fact you can't go through a season with Willie Sneed being like your most reliable <laughs> receiver. You can't exactly. win like that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like Marquise Brown, we were basically putting him in positions where he was the, he was the primary receiver and he's just not that like, he can still be a really good productive receiver, but I think we're going to, you know, the influx of Rashad Bateman and, and Tyler Wallace is going to allow us to play around a bit with Marquise Brown and get him into situations where he might be more open. Um, and they mentioned Sammy Watkins there. Yes. Well, Sammy Watkins, I'm kind of scared, will be very good on week one. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then also just progressively shitter throughout the season. But yeah, I mean, he's also another veteran. It's it's good to just have more veteran wide receivers in the locker room in general anyway. Yeah, the um, more people that can potentially be a playmaker for you guys, the better. Because you just need that. The issue was, Lamar wasn't as consistent as a passer as he had been the year before. And that's not yeah. to say, I'm not going down the route of Lamar, Lamar can't pass because he absolutely can. We've seen it on several occasions. He wasn't helped by some pretty poor passing game calling. 
and that you didn't have a proven drops. receiver on the outside. And just like the, the well, yeah, sheer that, amount that, of drops. <laughs> that, was a th- that was a third point. So if you give Lamar well-designed passing game with some guys that can make plays, you don't yeah. need an explosive passing game. You just need it, defenses to have to respect it enough that they can't put eight in the box every play. You know what I respect, Slew? Me? Nick, big dick, Boyle. <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> Right, you can you can cut the no. The I middle, was more because part. I said you'd respect me, and you just completely blanked it. So clearly, you don't. I don't respect you as much as Nick Boyle. I'll be honest. I can't block nearly as well as Nick Boyle. I wouldn't expect no, you to. Exactly, exactly. I think he Nick was Boyle loss. could bloody play in the O line if we if he needed him. <laughs> He's genuinely yeah. Like I was just watching back on um. Oh God, what was it Baldy's Baldy's? breakdown that's yeah. the one he did a whole section on on nick boyle and i was just gushing gushing at the sight of it it was beautiful I, hate that phrase. <laughs> I mean i meant salivating you know okay um, cool thanks thanks for specifying yeah like pavlov's dog um so yeah every time i saw a big pancake block i just dribble <laughs> so if i need you to dribble i'm just gonna start playing brian Baldinger's voice no, no, it's more the pancake blocks. They're going okay. to Yeah, you need, you need, if you want me to dribble, you're going to have to just lay someone out with a big ass pancake block. Right, next time I see Matt, I'll just <laughs> do that. You turn around, so you're dribbling at the corner. Exactly. Um, yeah, he's, he was a big loss. I think that's going to be a very good, very good situation because, like, as soon as he, he actually left during the season, our rushing attack got a lot more, um, one-dimensional in a way like there just weren't weren't as many holes on the second level uh for jk dobbins to exploit and that kind of quicker than i realized i was watching some ravens today and he's rapid i know we always stick him on an end around as well um where it used to be used to be marquis brown seasons prior or season prior but yeah like uh, i think that like a lot of people were like, oh, when J.K. Dobbins got the got the starting role, he didn't perform that well. And it kind of lines up pretty well with Nick Boyle getting injured as well. So, I mean, just saying. I think, uh, yeah, that I know what Matt has said in in advance, and can we read it for context now? Let's go. Um, Ravens ceiling fifteen and two, very fucking good football team, top to bottom. That's Stan. It is Stan, you're right. Sorry, I should have realised it was too positive to be Matt. (laughs) Ravens, good team. Bit (laughs) one-dimensional. Secondary, good. Not convinced by front seven. 11 and six. Nah, it's ridiculous. The the bit one-dimensional bit is just, yeah. I mean, if if you're just judging it completely off last season, then you're still wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What about the front seven? On defense, I mean, you did bring in Justin Houston, which you, which you definitely needed that veteran presence. Yeah, I mean, the only way you could argue that is is our edge, like our interior D line is phenomenal. I'm not gonna lie. What Williams and Calais <laughs> Williams, Campbell. Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, eat your, eat your children. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, well, Justin, Justin Houston. Uh, his old beats, I think he's had like 19 and a half sacks in his two years with the Colts. So you don't need him to be a 15 sack kind of guy. It's just either Ty's Bowser or 
What's what does OA want to go by Odafi? Odafi, yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, I think I imagine it'll probably be there'll probably be quite a lot of shifting around with Odefe, Tyus Bowser, and, and Justin Houston playing both ends of that outside linebacker linebacker position. Um that's the biggest question mark, I guess, of, of our team is our edge position. We know that our secondary is is one of the best. Well, your secondary is elite. Yeah, exactly. Well, Matt said it was just good. <laughs> no, what about your inside linebackers? Patrick Queen needs to be better in his second year. Has Patrick, Qu- Patrick Queen had a good rookie season. He, I mean, he got, he got burnt in coverage a few times. And sometimes... He's too over pursued like hell on the runs and just got sort of pushed out the side. When you're when you're that quick, mate. When you're that quick, you oh, just... sorry, he's pushing himself out, which is better. <laughs> he's just he'd get to the hole too early and then run past where the running back was going. Um, yeah, I think Patrick Queen had a pretty good season. Like I, I mean, yeah, he he fluffed up some plays, but out of a rookie linebacker who's relatively inexperienced i i imagine he's gonna take more of a leap in the second year anyway i'm more concerned about his coverage ability than anything who plays next to him would it be lj fort or malik harrison i think it's lj fort who is fine when he gets on the field the issue is he's never been really a full-time starter yeah i mean i went through a period last season where he 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 played he played a you loved game LJ Fort last year. He had one game, I think, was it against the Patriots or something along those lines? He had like two forced fumbles and I was just going mental for LJ Fort. <laughs> Which is but, the first time I think anyone has ever said that. Yeah, he's just such a, I mean, to be honest, he's he's the typical like Madden would rate him a 60-something overall linebacker um, and you'd basically cut him in the preseason. But in reality... It's the well, same way. He's traditionally been more of a special teamer than a starter. Yeah, I mean, he got he got decent starting time last season. I mean, he hasn't been in the league that long either. So, drafted twenty twelve. Damn. Okay, did not realize that. I assumed he hadn't been in the league that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's thirty. Oh. He's thirty one. Odd. If you make the playoffs, he'll be thirty two in the playoffs. Okay, that's fine. No, I'm not saying that means he's unplayable. I'm just saying he's he's older than you think. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, not I much wear and tear though, because he's barely been on the field on defense. Yeah, be more of a special teams player. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's there's room for growth for inside linebacker. It's good. I I'm actually I'm pretty happy with Edge. We'll have to see how it goes with Adafe. Um, but I'm I'm happy with the pick. And the thing with the Ravens as well is they're always solid on defense. And in fact, they're always a solid team. Like the Ravens never really have a bad season. I think there was a stat like we've been a top 10 defense since like pretty much like 2000. Really? Yeah. Like every single season. So doesn't, it just doesn't really surprise me that like, you know what you're going to get with just being consistently you know solid football. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not super concerned. Um, yeah, I think ceiling-wise, I would say probably 14-3, and three, like the Browns. 
and then a floor of I'm gonna I'd I'd struggle to see us, I mean probably biased, but getting less than like eleven and six. No, I my floor and ceiling basically I think they're the exact same level as the Browns are. I think this division will be decided by between those two games that you guys play each other. I, if I was to pick one that I'd say is more favoured for a Super Bowl run, it would be the Browns. But in terms of regular season, I think they'll be neck and neck the entire way through and probably both make the playoffs. Fair enough. Interestingly, why, why do you say that more favoured for a Super Bowl run, the Browns compared to the Ravens? I think it's just because we've seen their offence have success in the air. I think the Ravens will, but I don't think you've got a proven pass catcher on the outside. Not so- I mean, yeah, I just think it's a lot of pressure to put on maybe a Rashad Bateman in his rookie year. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, but then again, yeah, I think it'll probably be around an 11 and 5. Sorry, 11 and 6, 12 and 5 kind of team. Similar to the Browns. Just because there's all, like every year, people are like, oh, the good teams are going to only lose two or one game. So it just never happens. Like you always slip up more than you expect to. Oh, yeah, the seeding is never right. Like um, um, unless you're maybe the Chiefs, possibly, possibly, we'll see. We will see. And last year, did the Steelers win the division in the end? Last year, yeah, they did. They they they, they almost had an unbeaten season, right? Like, I mean, almost halfway through. Yeah, that was such a weird. Like, they were they were unbeaten, but their their offense still wasn't phenomenal. I mean, yeah. If we're going to start with the Steelers as making, if they were to reach their ceiling, their defense, and we're going to talk about their good stuff, their defense is going to be lights out again. Yeah. Yeah. Just their defense is phenomenal. All over the shop. Yeah, exactly. They've got two of the, the biggest, uh, talented, youngest, younger players in the league with uh, TJ Watt. And, Oh god, gone. Right, um, Free Minka safety. Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. Who I one. don't think there's another team in the league that you could genuinely say at this point has, other than the Rams, have two candidates for Defensive Player of the Year going into a season. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's the weird stat. It's I'd not a stat, mate. It's a prediction. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing to contemplate because now I'm thinking about it. Maybe. And we'll also see. the biggest loss they had going to the season was that they lost Bud Dupree. I mean, granted he missed some time because of his ACL tear, but Melvin Ingram will be solid for them. Yeah. Obviously they've got so much talent on that D-line and TJ Watt on the other side that he's not going to have to face many double teams or anything like that. Was this, did Melvin Ingram get injured last season? Oh, you know what, Joe? You too have the internet. I do. But I'd rather just um, be told. Ask, ask Siri. Hey or... Siri. <laughs> yeah, knee injury. Oh no, he came back. Go. Oh, he came back then. Went back onto IR with the same knee injury, I think. Yeah. And this is why you don't come back too early, Carson. <laughs> yeah, I mean the rest of the defense is good. Devin Bush pretty solid. Spillane came out of nowhere and was surprisingly. Devin Bush is- Devin Bush is more than pretty solid. He's fine. Devin Bush is a very good (laughs) linebacker. Yeah. Thank you. 
I mean, but the real issue is this bloody offense, man. They won so many one-score games last year because of the defense, and I yeah. think they're going to be worse than offense this year. Yeah, I, I don't see um, Big Ben really taking a step up. I think he's only really. I mean, I'm a hater, but I think he's going to just decline from here. I mean, he statistically he did okay last season, but just watching those games, it, it, he's. It looks like his arm power just isn't there anymore. His ability to push the ball downfield. He was throwing a lot of short passes, which I mean could be partly the game, the the game calling as well. But but yeah, it wasn't. Ben seems like one of those guys that has a lot of say of what goes into the play calling. Mm. I mean, the issue is as well that when you watch that offense, it's so much three wide stationary stuff. They don't do anything that newfangled offenses do. They don't move the running back around. They don't put guys in motion. Um, maybe you'll see that this year. Apparently, that's one of Matt Canada's big calling cards that he loves motions and jets and stuff. That was his big sort of implementation as one of the coaches last year was getting Chase Claypool on the jets that he scored like four touchdowns on. He did, yeah. He did bits on, on the jet sweep. Najee Harris is a guy you can move around. The issue is that that offensive line is fucking turgid. Hmm. I haven't even really thought about their offensive line. Who's on their offensive line It is line disgustingly now? bad. They're returning one starter. Oh, my God. Kevin Dotson, who was a rookie last year, and he was fine. I mean, he was fine. He's just not a great player. He's just what he is. Mate, the rest of that offensive line, Akura four on left tackle, Green, Kendrick Green, who is a rookie, apparently is now penciled in the starting centre. Trey Turner, who was traded from the Panthers and didn't have a fantastic year in, um, where was he last year? Is it the Chargers? Yeah. And their right tackle is Zach, Zach Banner, Banner, who I think was pretty sure was injured for a significant portion of last year. But that is a grim O-line. And, it, and it's going to be worse than last year and it wasn't fantastic last year. And most of the running game struggles weren't because necessarily of James Conner. I mean, Najee Harris is an upgrade. But it was the offensive line just weren't able to move people off the ball. Yeah, I mean they were the they were getting up there in age anyway. Last yeah, now I mean, yeah. Who did you mention? Chucks Okorofa. Okorofa. Yes, I did. I said he was the left tackle. Okay, good. I, to, I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned it, but also when you watch the when you watch the Steelers, the amount of times that if they're under center, they hand the ball off. If they're in shotgun, they throw it. I think it's they, here's another tip. They, yeah. I think they're the highest disparity between being on center and being um, in big shotgun run. of what the play was good. Yeah, of what the play was going to be. And the the bear, uh, big Ben just doesn't like play action because he doesn't like turning his back to the defense, which is a thing that has been a thing with Drew Brees in the past as well. I think it's one of, and Philip Rivers is one of the when these quarterbacks get older, they'd rather trust their eyes in that slight moment of deception, but. You can't make it totally obvious what you're going to do by how you line up. Yeah, I don't really... Um, as if that's a thing, that <laughs> quarterbacks just refuse to, to do play action. From under centre, yeah, because you've got to turn around. Yeah. But I guess they could do like a, a out of the shotgun, but it doesn't really seem... It has nowhere near the same effect, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I just don't trust... I don't trust Big Ben. To be honest, I think they've got talent, wide receivers, and obviously um, Najee Harris. I'm looking forward to seeing Najee Harris play. I want to see what he can do. He's 
you know, him and Javante Williams are very talented running backs in this class that I want to see what they get up to. But yeah, I didn't even realize that there's only one returning offensive lineman. And that's going to be, I mean, just like we said with the Browns, it's going to be a, a major issue, no matter how good your skill possession players are. Yeah, and the one positive, uh, we have shat all over the Steelers' offence, but the Steelers, like the Ravens, are a team that is always at least solid. Like Even when they were going into a season with bloody duck oh, yeah. Mason Rudolph, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. So I'd be surprised if they finished over 500. Equally, I'd be surprised if they made the playoffs. I think they're somewhere between those two. Yeah, I think they're the third best team in this division. Yeah, 100%. Sure. Would not disagree. Um, in terms of Maybe they could sneak into the wild card. Yeah, I, I would say the floor floor for me would be nine and eight. And then, or eight and nine, maybe they just, yeah, somewhere between like mid, you know, averaging. The issue with they're average. so reliant on winning the turnover battle and getting more sacks in the opposition that, that I, they've just got so almost lucky in the last few years between like winning one score games that you just can't see them winning enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's something, having a great defense that can turn the ball over is great. It's a good thing to have, but it's not something you can rely on, you know? Um, but yeah, I think in, in terms of their ceiling for me, I would also just go ahead and say maybe uh, 11 and six. Yeah. Yeah. What if the new Fangorno line sort of comes together, able to run the ball with Harris? Yeah, like I can see them making a wild card spot or something along those lines. Yeah. Floor? Uh, I said like eight and nine. nine Okay. Yeah. It's annoying there isn't 500 anymore. Yeah, it really pisses me. Because it makes it so much easier on previews. (laughs) Like, oh, they're a 500 team at worst. Exactly. Maybe that's why they did it. Yeah. So we couldn't be lazy in our predictions. That and money. Money, money, money. Um, so what the other said was Stan, C- Steelers ceiling 11 and 6, floor 7 and 10. Benny Boy needs to pull out all of the stops to get this offense back to life. Najee Harris, mad breakout season incoming. I don't know if you can call it a breakout season if it's their rookie season, but we'll let him have it. Uh, I don't know. Just I would define Justin Jefferson's season as a breakout season. Hmm. Um, Matt... Steelers, garbage offense, most overrated offense in the league. Defense is good, nine and eight. Defense is good. (laughs) Uh, Stan's um, prediction for the um, Ravens, I only half got through before realizing that wasn't talking about Matt. Ravens ceiling 15 and two, very fucking good football team, top to bottom. Expect big things on the ground from LJ and the Dob Man. Floor 10 and seven. Stan. So I think yes, all of our predictions are actually somewhat in line. Like we've got the same windows for between the four of us for each of those four teams. It's because we're so like-minded and um, groupthink. Yeah, exactly. We're basically a hive mind that just spews out football knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And you, you are the queen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. We are back every Tuesday and Thursday from now on. Thursday is a live stream on Britballing. 
usually around 7.30. We'll do a post later in the week if any time changes on that. But you can catch us on all of our socials at The Dropback on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Have a look on our website, thedropback.com, for articles coming out regularly. If you haven't had a chance to check out our writer Alex's new YouTube series, Any Given Saturday, make sure you do. He's speaking to some great guys across the pond from all sorts of backgrounds, journalists, former players. He had a former Mississippi State SEC quarterback on the show this week. So make sure you go check that out. I've been Sam. I've been Joe. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson. when there's not more people.